How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Tuesday the 16th. Time for your favorite movie podcast. That's the fifth best movie podcast. Basically, how this podcast works is we see what movie came in fifth over the pre- previous weekend, looking at the box office results. We go see that movie. We come back here, we podcast about that movie, and we just have generally a good time, whether if it's a good movie, whether it's a bad movie, old news, um, if it's new, if, if it's like the same movie again, we're going to go see it, then we're going to podcast about it. So please join us now on this cinematic roller coaster we call the fifth best movie podcast. My name is John. I'm Aaron. And I'm guest host Joey. Joey's back. He did so well this, this last week with Pitch Perfect 3 that we said, hey, we need to keep this guy... We need to keep this guy coming back for a little bit. So here he is again. And Joey, could you please introduce what movie we saw this time? Oh yeah, today we uh, got to see The Last Jedi. That's a Star Wars film, people. (laughs) If you guys look at the previous weekend box office results, you're going to think, what the hell, guys? Insidious 4 (laughs) was the fifth movie. Well, are you going off the two-day weekend, the three-day weekend, or the four-day weekend results? Because we decided to spin it a little bit to be able to see Star Wars. Aaron and I have been talking about that for a long time. We have seen it once. Um, it's a moral dilemma. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it was Three a day weekend, four day weekend. There's no clear answer. We went with our hearts. <laughs> we actually have not specified what constitutes one weekend. So <laughs> if if your if your weekend. If, if Aaron and I were working weird jobs where we actually the weekend was on Tuesday and Wednesday, then we have to look at the box up results from those days and then go see the movie that came in fifth. Just kidding. But we went to see Star Wars. Uh, Joey, you've seen this movie once already as well, right? I have, yeah. That's uh, one viewing for each of us, I believe. Yeah, we all started with one viewing in our back pocket, then we're coming into this one, and now we get to see it again. Um, <laughs> before we talk about this movie too much, though, let's go over the previous weekend box office results. Okay, so coming in first this week was Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, which threw all... Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Someone made it! Never Guest mind. Guest podcaster <laughs> coming in hot, number one. Um, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, number two was The Post, number three was The Commuter, number four, The Greatest Showman, number five, Star Wars Last Jedi slash Insidious The Last Key. Um, Joey, did you get... Did you get one... Did you get anything else right? Uh, no, I just got Jumanji. Looks like... What did you put? You put Jumanji. I had Jumanji, then I had Star Wars. I thought Star Wars would keep going strong with it being a long weekend. Mm -hmm. Then I had Paddington. Paddington is really the one that screwed us all up here. Yeah. Um, It didn't even crack the top five. It only made $10 million at the box office its first weekend, which was shocking to all of us, I think. Yeah. I thought we all figured it would at least get double that. Yeah. Uh, Fourth, I had Insidious, which I think it did end up coming in fourth, right? Or did it come in sixth? Uh, Fifth or or sixth. Okay. I'll I'll double check that. (laughs) Uh, Insidious came in um, seventh. Oh wow! Uh, and then I had Commuter five, but Commuter actually did better than than we than I projected. You know, I think we all had pretty much the same five. It just you know didn't we didn't have the same order. But the one that I mean, I think all of us underestimated was the Post and how much how many people wanted to go see a Spielberg movie yep. that's been getting a lot of critical acclaim. Yep. Uh, Post again came in second with uh, nineteen see, that, million. It sounds like a no brainer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How do we miss that one? Um, I got the commuter and just the commuter right. Yeah. Nothing else I got right. And then Aaron put Paddington 2, the commuter at number 2, Jumanji at number 3, Last Jedi at number 4, and Insidious 4 at number 5, which he technically got right for the three-day weekend. Um, a lot of technicals today. <laughs> a lot of leeway. 
Is there anything else you want to talk about with this with this previous weekend and the results? I mean, besides Paddington, I think everything was. I, I guess everything there's doesn't nothing else really needs an explanation. I mean, we just yeah. all underestimated the post. The only new release that got into the top five was The Commuter, which is a bummer because I want to see Paddington or Pride <laughs> Mary up there. I mean, the post is sort of new. It was a wider release. Yeah, yeah. It expanded yet again. Star Wars: The Last Jedi. This is its fifth week out, and it grossed eleven point eight mil this weekend, an overall grossing of almost six hundred million. It has a 7.5 stars out of 10 on IMDb and a 91% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 49% audience score. Um, starring our good friends Daisy Ridley, um, Domhnall Gleeson, that's how it's listed. Wow, that's super funny. Uh, Daisy Ridley, um, Adam Driver, uh, Oscar Isaac, Benicio Del Toro, Mark Hamill, <laughs> Carrie Fisher, John Boyega, Laura Dern. Is there an old Yeah. Yeah. She was a uh, holdo. Yeah. I, I, the entire first time I was watching it, I was trying to place it, and then someone's like, oh, Jurassic Park. And I went, yep. ooh! <laughs> <laughs> it all clicked. Uh, is She's there anyone... great. She's fantastic. I really liked her. The second time, I even enjoyed her more. Um, is there anyone else I'm missing? Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn Christie, yep. Um, Phasma. Kelly Marie Tran. Yep. Oh, yeah. I think that's everyone. Anthony Daniels. I mean, let's get some Frank Oz in there. Uh, and then uh, Andy Serkis. Oh, of course, Andy Serkis. Yep. As Supreme Leader Snoke. Who I thought was honestly Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm not trying to make a joke. I legitimately thought it was Benedict Cumberbatch by the way he did his, like, Con. Uh, Con, when he played Con, he had the same, like, mouth. Or smog. Or smog. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't think. You don't mean. You don't mean Con. You mean John Harrison. He's Thank not. you so much. Yeah, good point. J.J. Abrams wouldn't lie to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going into this a second time, what were you guys trying to prep yourself with? Was there certain things you are going to try and watch for, or were you trying to go into it just with a clean slate? Yeah, that's basically it. I mean, I have a lot of emotional reactions to this movie based on the first time seeing it, and also kind of reactions to other people's reactions uh, about the movie. And so I've, I just tried to, uh, yeah, forget about all that and see it with fresh eyes. Yeah, I think the hard thing for me going into it the first time was it was about a week after it came out and all the reviews had just come out and you couldn't avoid spoilers and and all of the user reviews you would that started to pop up were so negative and people were so pissed off at certain things of this movie that it, it was hard to go into it with a clean slate and so that's what i think all of us tried to do was take a step back and go all right let's go take this for what it is um you know we all know what's going to happen this time we can look for different things and and look for different explanations so i think it, it personally helped me a lot going to this a second time <clears throat> one of the things that i feel like the force awakens did really well was especially in the trailer was get star wars fans amped again for the entire series to kind of bring back the nostalgia of them seeing the original three i don't know if the prequels did it i i feel like when i was going in the prequels i was just kind of along for the ride but going into this newer reboot did this movie get you going again like did it make you a big star wars fan again or do you feel like you because of the tainted first watching from say maybe some reviews or some critics reviews that you read do you feel like you weren't as amped for it? 
Oh, I was still very amped. I remember walking in. When you walk into the theater and the, the scroll, you know, the script comes up at the beginning of the screen, at with the beginning the, of the movie. With the trumpets and the fanfare. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know the song. You you know in, it, when the In the Galaxy Far, Far Away comes up. I don't know. I just, I always get an emotional reaction from that. I mean, that's just, I think we've all experienced that since we were kids. So that is the nostalgia just coming back up. 100%. And, and that worked, that was, that was there this time as well. Oh, absolutely. Aaron? Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Um, Can you leave that pause in there? <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the big things for me is... You remember when in The Force Awakens when Finn activates the lightsaber and it like illuminates blue on his face and stuff like that? That was one of the big things, I think, for a lot of Star Wars fans. And I thought it was achieved in this movie, but I heard that people had some beef with it. So anyway, is there anything else you want to talk about before going into the synopsis? No, I think a lot of stuff is going to come up as, as we go through the synopsis. Um... It's a long movie. It's probably going to be a long synopsis, but we're going to try and keep things moving. Cool. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> I'm excited to go through this because I haven't really put a critical eye or an um, analytical eye to Star Wars. This is exciting for me because we've done it for a couple Marvel movies now. All right. Actually, I want to I read the opening crawl. The First Order reigns. Having decimated the Peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys the merciless legions to uh, seize military control of the galaxy. Any thoughts so far? Nope, it's pretty much in line with what we saw in the first one in Force Awakens. Yep. Uh, it's interesting to see a Star Wars movie that's picking up directly on the heels of a previous one, because that hasn't happened before, unless you want to kind of reverse engineer like Rogue One Rogue to a one new hope. Yeah. Sure. Um, but realistically, like that's... Know, that wasn't planned out ahead of time. Right. Um, only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny, uh, certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore spark of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds toward the rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. Uh, and that's that's where we enter on... The Wikipedia summary. Resistance fighters led by General Organa evacuate their base when a First Order fleet arrives. In an effective but costly counterattack led by Poe Dameron. Yep. All right. All right. We're at the first bit we got to talk about. <laughs> because I think everyone has an opinion about the uh, about the call waiting joke. I don't know. Is any Is anyone real positive about that joke? Now this is an age-old comedy bit where, you know, the the guy calls the other guy and pretends he can't hear him. I mean, we've seen this in countless movies. Usually, it's not action movies that have some you know remnants of humor in them, but it's not really the focal point of the plot. And this sets the tone right away that all right, maybe this is different. It's a different director. It's a different movie. Maybe this one's going to be more comedy. Um, and the weird part is. Uh, yes, I, yeah. I agree with that. The weird part is, except for a few moments, the movie really doesn't follow through with that. Right. It sets you up for like a Guardians of the Galaxy type experience. Oh, complete. That's exactly yeah. the tone that it is. But it's also maybe the most like self-serious Star Wars movie, except for maybe, I don't know, Revenge of the Sith probably takes itself <coughs> more seriously. Yeah, but, we, that worked out really well. Yeah, but after that, I mean, this one, this one really, really is playing it straight, except for those few 
like kind of Marvel style jokey bits. And it's weird. It's a weird place to start the movie. But uh, resistance fighters managed to destroy a first order dreadnought. Uh, also want to say a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about how those bombers, how those bombers work. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still don't see a problem. They, I liked the design of the bombers, to be honest. I, the one thing I didn't like is how they were made of paper mache, but I liked them. Yeah, I did I did see, though, I was watching the this opening battle a little more closely and notice how um, a few of the bombers get blown up uh, or get, like, shot down. But there's this sort of chain reaction where, like, four of them get taken out right. by, like, one TIE fighter that slices into yep. one just as it's deploying right. and causes like three others to blow up and so i think that the battle looks a lot more tactically stupid by the part of uh of poe's squadron um because they all blew up but yeah it was it was kind of a a freak accident right could have been just shit luck yeah exactly exactly so but they managed to destroy a first order dreadnought uh the resistance vessels jump into hyperspace the First Order pursue them using a tracking device. A part I really like is when, um, that I think is the right comedic tone, is when General Hux um, is like, all right, shit, they got away. Call, uh, or um, Snoke's calling. Oh, I'll, I'll talk to him in my chambers. And then he shows up. It's a big hologram head and smacks him on the floor. I, I like that bit. I think establishing the relationship... Uh, a little bit more of of Snoke and Hux and the other parts of the First Order. That's I think good. that the bit worked because it was totally in line with the characters. A lot of the a lot of the humor sometimes uh, dispels some of the characters, and this one was completely in line with what they would do and how they would react to things. Yeah, Hux is just so over the top and annoying in a way that it's like it's just fun to see him get smacked around, and I think that's kind of what he's there for. Kylo Ren, Leia's son, destroys the Resistance support fighters, but hesitates to fire at the lead Resistance ship after sensing his mother's presence. Uh, however, TIE fighters destroy the bridge of the ship, killing several Resistance leaders and in- incapacitating Leia, who only survives by using the Force. All right, another, another scene we got to talk about. I'm kind of I'm hitting all the big stopping points here, trying to. Um, so if there's something I skip over... Please tell me, but Leia's survival. What do you think? Okay, there's a there's a couple things in this scene, and yes, it's Star Wars, and so obviously it doesn't necessarily follow all the rules of, of space and physics and how we understand it. But from, from how I understand space, if you get launched into space, you're dead. There's no coming back from that. We can accept that she uses the Force and somehow she survives and and gets to back. It's like the, the hole where she can get back inside. She opens the main door, which should create a vacuum, essentially sucking everybody that's in the ship into space. I think she goes into an airlock. Yeah, I think there's a set of double doors All right. that function as an airlock. All right. <laughs> okay. Because when she approaches it, you don't really see double doors. No. Right. Okay. All right. If, if there's double doors, then I would totally rescind my issues with this part. But <laughs> I, No, I think that... You know, throughout throughout the movies, we've known that Leia has the Force ever yeah. since Empire Strikes Back. 
uh, when it's strongly hinted that that's the case and then confirmed in Return of the Jedi. Um, one of the things that I found disappointing in Force Awakens is not getting to see her uh, display of Force powers. Like, you realize, oh, did Luke not try to train her? And what I have sort of taken away from that is that she has been so focused on sort of the bigger picture of the galaxy and making sure that, um, like, peace and justice are restored to the galaxy that she has not devoted any attention towards developing her force abilities and so she's got all this latent power and so it's such a cool thing it, it's actually pretty wild anecdote i was talking with uh with uh our friend jordan when we were like hanging out getting ready to see the last jedi the first time and I forget what we were talking about, what brought it up, but we were talking Star Wars, and I mentioned, like, yeah, I think in the extended universe or something, there's some there's some cases of people, like, surviving in, in space with the Force. Um, so, like, maybe that's possible. Hmm. And it was in reference to something else. Yeah. Um, like, it might have been about how Phasma survived or something. Like, I don't know. I, I was just throwing something out there. Um, and then it came up in the movie. So I was like, pretty, uh, felt pretty cool about that. <laughs> but, um, and I think narratively, it's a really cool idea for her to display this awesome power that we've never seen before that is like literally doing the impossible, which you can only do with the Force. It's the visual execution of the scene that, to me, makes it not quite work. Why? There's just something so static about the pose that she's in and the way that she kind of flies. I'm not saying I wanted her to, like, swim breaststroke through space. <laughs> um, it is a little ghost-like, almost. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure what would have been better. Like, I, I like that it wasn't just a straight-up, like, Jesus pose. Sure. Um, that would have been horrible. We've already seen Jesus allegories in Star Wars. It was in the prequels. It was bad. We don't need that. What would you have wanted to see? I, uh, again, I, I don't know. It just visually didn't really work for me. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, command falls to Vice Admiral Holdo, Laura Dern, um, disapproving of Holdo's passive strategy with the support of Poe, Finn, BB-8, and mechanic uh, Rose Tico embark on a secret mission to disable the tracking device. All right, so this is like this is the the B plot of the movie, I guess. There's there's three plots. This is the asteroid field. Uh, yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, so the whole dynamic between between Laura Dern's character Holdo and Poe, the first time I I watched it. It had me very much thinking about just sort of the the public social conversation that's going on right now about like sexism that's expressed in um, in more ways than just uh, the obvious ones. Like, in the way this that... is mansplaining. He's mansplaining the entire time to her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I don't I don't want to talk too much about this because I feel super unqualified to. <laughs> um, but I. This second time, that stuff didn't come on uh, 
so strong to me but i still i thought it was like an interesting narrative and i think it's weird that at the end poe still ends up being like the de facto leader i was thinking about that this time too that's interesting that you bring that up because the entire movie it's kind of a he is he is leading via his testosterone and that's not what they need in this situation and then at the end he leads with his testosterone and they get out thanks to ray but he's the one who kind of gets them out of that type thing but i think he's been humbled throughout the entire movie by laura dern and by carrie fisher I mean, they do. I guess they do hint to that though when they all look at Carrie Fisher, like, "Are we following him?" She's right. like, "I'm okay." With right. It. It's almost like she's handed off the reins. Like, all right, he he understands now. You know what it's going to take to that's, lead. That's and, a very good point. But even that is still somewhat problematic in that you have female characters in effect exit. You know, playing a role in the story for the uh, character progression of a male character, um, serving as foils to male characters. It's um, I don't know. Again, I don't want to get too far into it, but I had, based on what we know, the very sad fact that uh, Carrie Fisher passed away and is not going to be able to reprise her role in episode nine. And they've already talked about not wanting to do the uh, digital recreation like they did in Rogue One. Um, I had an idea of how you could slightly tweak the plot uh, of this whole sequence in order to fix kind of two birds with one stone, so to speak. So essentially, everything goes down the same way with, uh, with Leia getting blasted into space, surviving. Uh, Laura Dern takes command. I keep calling her Laura Dern. It's, it's Holdo, Vice Holdo. Admiral Holdo. <laughs> she takes command. Poe's not happy with it. Uh, he tries to mutiny, but at the scene where they're loading onto the transports, then it's Leia, not Holdo, who stays behind. And yeah. Holdo is the one who goes with them on the transports. Sure. And uh, and Leia then would be the one to enact this, like, visually stunning, incredible act of sacrifice. Um, and I think you'd play it in in more of a way where you really get like a character part of Carrie Fisher. Sure. Um, well, a final a final note to end on that's really memorable. Didn't didn't you going through it the first time think that Holdo was like, oh, this is the new not the new Leia, but this is the one who will be assuming that role? I thought because I remember talking this with about this after you, was you're like, okay, there here's the passing of the torch. Well that's that's kind of what I'm getting to is that at the end of the movie the character moment for Poe would be uh, would be feeling comfortable letting yeah, letting Holdo lead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's a very interesting point. So now we're obviously working. obviously this is like rewriting history because they didn't know that Leia was going to pass away and uh, or Carrie Fisher was going to, and that I'm sure they had an arc. You know, I've I've heard kind of a theory that. The way the trilogy was conceived, you know, there's all these new characters, but in a sense, each each movie of the trilogy is dedicated to one of the three main original characters. So Force Awakens was Han's movie, Last Jedi was Luke's movie, and then uh, Episode Nine was going to be Leia's movie. And I would have been very down for that. Sure, yeah, just um, makes it more sad now. Yeah, and the way the way I think this it ended up, I think both. Luke and Leia got really good treatment. Um, 
but yeah, I think, you know, obviously it's now it's a loose end where they're going to have to have Leia off screen giving commands or something. Right. The first time I saw this movie, I actually thought that they, that's just how Leia was going to go, which she was going to kind of float, float out into space. It was going right. to be this like beautifully dramatic scene where everybody's bawling their eyes out as Leia just kind of floats away, almost like an ode to Carrie Fisher and watching her spirit go away or whatever you want to, you know metaphorically describe that but so I was shocked when I was watching this movie the first time and, and saw her like come back yeah and I think you know her dying there I think it would have been alright um, but I also think that the the sudden shocking death uh, of a character you know of a returning character who's not going to be uh, going forward in the in the movie I, I think they've kind of already played that hand with Han sure Um, And so it would cheapen it a bit, you know, as well as having that come in the first, you know, half hour of the movie. It would have been anticlimactic for sure. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, the way the way things went down, it'll kind of mean that Leia will just sort of because I'm sure they're not going to kill her off screen. Um, She kind of gets to live forever within within Star Wars lore, you know, and they can do whatever they want with her character and. You know, create as many tributes in you know in other ways to Carrie Fisher as sure. they want. She passed away after they wrapped, right? Uh, yeah, I think they had concluded filming, or at least the main portion of filming. They may have been doing reshoots. Okay, I'm cool. not sure. Meanwhile, uh, Ray has arrived on on the remote planet Achto. I didn't know how to name. Did they ever uh, say that once in the movie? That that's where the Jedi planet is. I don't think so. I think it's I think it's purely expanded universe. Okay. Uh, with Chewbacca and R two D two aboard the Millennium Falcon to recruit Luke Skywalker to the Resistance, disillusioned by the failures of the Jedi and under self imposed exile from the Force, Luke refuses even after he learns from Rey of Han Solo's death. I loved that moment. I also loved the the Chewie moment. Well, that I mean that's kind of one moment where. He sees Chewie and then realizes that Han's not there. Yeah. I thought that acting... I mean, in general, I thought Mark Hamill's performance was incredible. Yeah, agreed. But that moment and the moment where he, where he sees R2 again... Yeah. ...were both so good. So nostalgic. well played. Yeah, and very nostalgic, too, as you're watching him. Yeah. Right. And you can you can really feel, like, the the years of, of separation that sure. they felt and... I, I feel that it's really expressed by the years of sort of um, distance that Mark Hamill has put him, you know, had put in between himself and Star Wars. Right. Um, for those many years where his career uh, kind of, uh, he got he got so heavily typecast from Star Wars that he couldn't get any live action acting work. Right. He turned to voice acting, has had... An incredible career in in voice acting, but, right? Um, yeah, sort of put all that behind him, and you feel that reflected in his performance in the movie. No, hundred percent agree. Unknown to Luke, uh, Ray and Kylo begin communicating through telepathic visions. Something I noticed this time was that there there are sometimes where. Uh, where they have it staged where Ray and Kylo Ren are like facing each other as the camera is cross-cutting between them. Right. Uh, but then there's one scene where uh, where Kylo Ren's like facing uh, 
a hangar bay or yeah. something, and he turns around and he's looking right into the camera delivering his lines and I, th- I thought that was interesting where it's really setting the audience up as the as ray is your avatar and you know kylo ren is like this other figure right this was a really was interesting. interesting this was a really interesting choice to me that we haven't seen in the star wars universe before where two jedis are telepathically linked i mean you see it where somebody from beyond the grave can communicate with a Jedi who's living, but we haven't seen two living Jedis, especially one that is dark versus light side, you know, somehow being connected. Yeah. You've also got Anakin and Padme. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> but that's more of a one-way, kind of Force Stalker-ish yeah. imagine. <laughs> Let's not get into the prequels. All right. Prompted by R2-D2, Luke agrees to teach Rey the ways of the Force. Luke and Kylo give Rey differing accounts of the incident that turns uh, turned Kylo to the dark side. Luke confesses that he momentarily contemplated killing Kylo upon sensing that Supreme Leader Snoke had corrupted him, causing Kylo to destroy Luke's emergent Jedi Order in retaliation. Uh, convinced that Kylo can be redeemed, Rey leaves Octo to confront Kylo without Luke. Uh, Luke prepares to burn down the Octo Jedi Temple and Library, but hesitates. Oh, I, I, I want to talk about Octo for a second because <laughs> the work that they did in like establishing the atmosphere of that island, just in like two short scenes, and giving you a sense of the like weird, crazy hermit life that Luke's been having, I thought was all done super well. Yeah, drinking the weird milk out of the... Yeah, the green milk from the, like, seal-like creature. I don't even know what what kind of creature you... you, A manatee-like something? Yeah, they're like part seal, part manatee, part ichthyosaur. (laughs) (laughs) And the the crazy javelin fishing. Yeah. Um, No, I agree with you. Those are some of the best scenes in the movie, honestly. The nun creatures with the huts... I, I love those so much that with the reaction so- shots, uh, Ray like blows a hole in her hut and then they're all mad at her and then later she's practicing with a lightsaber and causes a rock to fall down and crush a cart and they look up and she's standing there with the lightsaber and I mean you practically see them like waggle their fists <laughs> in her direction. It's just a, a great little. Uh, Great comedy bits. Yeah. And you know, yeah, and that comedy is much more in line with what we've seen from previous Star Wars movies. Yeah. Rather than the almost slapstick nature of the opening sequence with, with Poe and um Don Gleason. Yeah, General you know, Hux. Hux, thank you. And the uh I don't know. What are our what are our porg takes? Feelings on porgs? I feel like, I feel like there's in all Star Wars movies there's gonna be these little creatures that they introduce. Yeah. Porgs exist to sell children's toys. Everybody wants it's a stuffed pork. Everybody yeah. wants a stuffed pork. I mean, I... <clears throat> what about what about the crystal cr- critters? What is he called? Oh, yeah, man. I want, I want a crystal critter. <laughs> the, the foxes that are made of crystals. Those things are awesome. Yeah. The um, crystallized salt or something? But you can't have a stuffed you know animal crystal that. critter. You can have a stuffed pork that makes stupid little burr, burr noises. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and it's comedic value, too, with the relationship the porgs have with Chewie and how he eats one and, and uh, then... Somewhat feels remorseful when they, you know, when he ends up taking one home eventually. But 
Um, I think it's more they infested the Millennium Falcon than he took. Yeah, out. fair enough. Which <laughs> I thought was a little uh, a little callback to the Knights of the Old Republic video game, <laughs> where there is a side quest where the where uh, the Ebon Hawk, your uh, your ship that's basically the Millennium Falcon. It's like shaped the same. It just looks a little bit different. It gets infested by these uh, by these little lizard uh, two legged lizard hopping creatures called Gizka. Nice. Yeah, it just reminded me of that, the Porgs nice. infesting the Falcon. I like the Porgs. There is a different uh, little critter that we're going to get to that is my favorite little alien critter in this movie. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So Holdo reveals her plan to discreetly evacuate the remaining Resistance members using small transports. Believing her actions cowardly and risky, Poe instigates a mutiny. Uh, we already talked about that. Finn, Rose, and BB-8 travel to the Canto Bite Casino and acquire the help of the hacker DJ, who says he can help them disable the tracking device. All right, the casino planet seems to be the part of the movie that, like, the most of the sort of, uh, most of the negative reactions to this movie uh, have really honed in on that segment. A lot of them stem from this, yeah. I really, seeing this a second time, I really realized what a small part of the movie it is. Yeah. It's about, like, six or seven minutes total that there are, that you see them on Canto Bite. For being such an, like, important part of the story, too. I mean, that's, the entire story arc of Finn and Rose is dependent upon them going to this planet and finding Benicio Del Toro's character. Um, right, and sort of experiencing the the like class differences that represent what the resistance is really all about which is establishing peace and justice so that the oppressed won't be oppressed right um but i think all of us can probably agree that some of the concerns and, and negative feelings towards this scene are probably valid i mean they try to what they try to make this scene like is the cantina scene in the old movies yeah the, 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 the music song is even a remix oh, of that song 100 it's, it's, it's a dj khaled remix yeah right which okay. i think makes sense <laughs> you know that you would have these these popular songs that would spread throughout the galaxy oh, and that like, makes perfect you'd sense, have yeah. different cover versions of it <laughs> no totally but what were you saying though Oh, I, just, I think that was just what I was going to say. It's, it's, they try to make it like the cantina scene, but I felt like there was so much more I wanted to see of this. And I guess you didn't really see that much of the cantina either, um, although they kept coming back to it. But I feel like I just want to explore this world so much more, you know? Yeah. And, and all these, there's so many like fun characters in there. Yeah, I think that's like parts of, of Star Wars that are are so memorable and loved are just these sort of sweeping shots around a room where you've got you know dozens of different like alien figures uh just sort of sitting and minding their own business going about their lives and you get to look at the weird designs and be like oh i wonder what's up with those guys and then sometimes you get books like tales from java's palace uh that tell you all about the backstory of the the rancor keeper Guys, that story is, uh, you will not look at Return of the Jedi the same way after reading that story. Um, um, do you think that they needed to have it on the Monte Carlo planet, though? Or do you think they could have well, gotten the same plot points? I think it's a setting we hadn't seen before. I mean, other than, like, 
there's like the uh the nightclub scene in attack of the clones where the uh where elon sleaze bagano offers some death, death sticks, sticks yeah we want <laughs> and then he wants to go home and rethink his life choices no, I, I i personally believe that these they could have they could have met the young kid in some sort of on some sort of slave planet like okay i guess this is a slave planet and they they enslave people as well as animals but i feel like they could have met dj they could have rosen rosen finn could have uh, uh connected more in a different setting didn't have to be las vegas the planet there could have been class struggle i don't know i i, I can see why people were upset about it and i wasn't what, is, what what are they upset about you could have done something different but why was this a bad choice i'm not sure do you think you're the one who read more of the reviews than me. I would say that people might be upset that it is too close to home with a lot, like with like a lot of the gambling stuff here. Like, nor maybe they're looking for something more outlandish. I have no idea. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think Star Wars has always been a mix of the familiar and the alien. Uh, so I don't think that's really a valid concern. I think the the political commentary in this segment was extremely heavy handed, and that is a valid take i think yeah i think it also helped to continue the idea that while the original trilogy is very much black versus white you know dark side versus light side this one is built kind of around the idea that everything is a gray area you know kylo ren is not completely evil ray is not necessarily completely good we see that um, all these arms dealers are not just selling to the dark side and to and to the, the first order. To the first order, they're selling to the resistance also. So I think it, it almost acts as um, a kind of ties the Jedi storyline to the you know to the civilian storyline. You know, it, it doesn't just isolate the gray areas of the Force. It it, it basically says it, that everything is gray. It brings it to a larger so, scale. Sure, sure. Okay. I have a I have a little bit different take on it uh, that i think is sort of what i read as the thesis statement of the movie which is that you shouldn't try to be good you should try to do good Hmm. i think that a lot of the problems that we can identify uh with the jedi order uh isn't the fact that they were too good it's that they believed that a restricting what they could and couldn't do made them good made them good yeah uh and that following these rules made them good that uh pursuing these specific uh you know ideals of of like knowledge and self-perfection made them good uh and what the new trilogy and especially this movie is offering is the idea that in order to be good, you have to accomplish something that is good. And uh, and so I think that we can see that within Ray's storyline, where she isn't... I don't think Ray's going to end up as a mix of good and evil, mm-hmm. because I don't think people would are going to get behind a character that's half good, half evil. And I think that's kind of a... I, I, I don't know. It's It's too straightforward a way of looking at the idea of balance and rather i think what we're seeing is someone who is not afraid of not afraid to take shortcuts not afraid to grab power uh when she needs to because she knows that she can do good with that 
save the people that uh, she cares about and help uh, bring some, uh, some peace and justice to the galaxy. So I think with that in mind, what we're seeing on the casino planet is um, Rose and Finn's idea of what it means to be good uh, is challenged and what they, what they find that they have to do is, um, I mean, they find a reason to fight. They find, like, they find, they, they look at sort of the scale of, of oppression and, and struggle and that what being a rebel is about isn't about fighting the First Order. It's about standing up for, for the oppressed. I'm having a honestly I'm having a hard time tying this fully back into into Canto Bite because <laughs> it doesn't quite fully connect. I was about to and say I, will I admit thought, that. I thought Finn's part of realization was after Rose saves him where she says you don't fight what you hate, you protect what you love. I thought that's when it clicked for Finn. Cuz I know Rose had a reason to fight. Her sister died fighting the resistance, so she wants to she wants to memorialize her as well as seeing these kids on Canto Bite. I thought that's when it clicked for her, but I thought Finn was later on the sand planet. All right, uh, the salt planet. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree with that, but I think I think Cantobite was showing us that. Sure. Okay. Visually. I see. Yeah. Cool. It, it's still like these are big ideas that are not fully connecting in my head. <laughs> but again, thesis statement of the movie for me is not to not to try to be good but to try to do good so then by going down this rabbit hole just just a tiny bit yeah sure challenge um, challenge me on it please. what what would kylo ren's arc be then i mean if if ray is continuing down the path of good and and you know she even though she can, she can take shortcuts to get there she's she is the protagonist the good force and that makes kylo ren is obviously our antagonist but we've seen him not be fully evil I mean, he kills right. he kills Snoke to to gain power, but he also fights with Rey. I mean, he wants to turn Rey and he wants to rule together, but it's not it's not necessarily entirely with negative intentions. You know, so I feel like to have what you're saying come true in the next one, Rey would almost have to be the one to kill Kylo. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Yeah, and yeah. I I would be okay with that because <laughs> what I think we've seen with Kylo Ren is that the fact that he that there are people that he cares about that he has an emotional connection to we would assume that that is a sign that deep down he's a good person right and I think that that's not the case I think that what we should take away from this uh, is a very realistic thing that even the worst people, even the worst people have emotions, have connections. It's unavoidable. It's a part of being alive, part of being human or in the Star Wars world, you know, being human or whatever species you are. Um, but that uh, he doesn't get a, he doesn't get a free pass for that because the choices that he's made have pretty much all been evil. I don't think that Kylo Ren is the antithesis to Rey. And I think that's kind of what your question is. Like, she's going down this path of finding out 
how to do good to be good. Right. And I don't think, I don't even think Kylo Ren's even towards that point of self-realization yet. I think he's still really conflicted with himself and he's still trying to figure out where he wants to be in it all. I guess Ray is trying to figure out where she wants to be, but she still, she has a little bit of a one up on him because everything he kind of touches is kind of goes up in flames. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. I think that's why I'm having trouble, having trouble getting on board with Kylo Ren being the antagonist in a way. Because I think he is conflicted, and maybe we get some resolution to that in, in the next one, and and we can accept him as being the evil force that must die in order for you know the resistance to to prosper. But I'm not I'm not sure that it has to end up that way. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't think it has to as well. Yeah, because we just saw this, and this the entire <clears throat> movie was talking about balance. Obviously, with two pinnacles of their respective good or bads i mean one has to topple really at one point but we'll see how that's achieved i don't think that i don't think that they have to both be eliminated or one i mean i could i could totally see a way of them both existing yeah after i I could too actually yeah i just think like the idea that good and evil should exist in equal measure as like an interpretation of balance seems a little bit silly considering if there's like you know if half of the world was good and half of the world was evil like right now here on earth evil would win and there would be no more good because the evil people would kill the good people right that's that's like a very simplified simplistic answer but you know looking at the situation in the sequel trilogy the first order is like really as far as we can tell pretty small movement obviously the resistance is uh is even smaller but they're able to they're able to destroy the republic and almost the entire resistance not because of overwhelming power the way that the empire had but because they have the right combination of power and the willingness to do these unthinkable unspeakable acts uh and so I think that as long as that kind of evil exists in the galaxy, there can be no balance. So how do you destroy that then in the next one? I mean, is it is Kylo the root of that? Is Hux the root of that? I mean, do you how do you how do you conclude this trilogy? I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I will be honest here. I just I'm I, oh, I'm so I'm, curious already to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I just this is like this is really getting to my kind of core hot take about like people wanting to see gray Jedi as like the end point of, of the star Wars lore and like the star Wars saga of movies. And I just think that would be a bummer. And what I'd much rather see is this like fully realized idea of like heroism and doing, doing, great things for the right reasons and that's where i hope things are going i've been i've been going for so long thank you i'm gonna i'm gonna really wrap this up i promise i mean we kind of it had to happen we needed to get to the meat of what was going down in this especially with the two the two leaders of their respective sides right they're the two forces driving the movie so it was good to go down that rabbit hole we had to okay Thank you for indulging me. And it all stemmed from the gambling planet. (laughs) Thank you for indulging me. I'm still not fully sure what's up with Canto Bite. (laughs) Maybe it'll come back. Uh, Yeah, who knows. Um, 
they infiltrate Snoke's ship, but are captured. This is uh, this is Finn, Rose, and BB-8, along with Benicio del Toro. Uh, they infiltrate Snoke's ship, but are captured by Captain Phasma. Although BB-8 escapes, meanwhile Ray lands on the ship, and Kylo brings her to Snoke, mm. who reveals that he facilitated the mental connection between her and Kylo as part of a plan to destroy Luke. I. I didn't fully, the first time seeing it, kind of understand how all those pieces fit together. Me but neither. This time, it made a lot more sense to me where, yeah, he's using both... He's using Kylo Ren in order to destroy both Rey and Luke Skywalker. Right. He um, gets what he needs from Rey, kill Rey, get to Luke. Yeah, exactly. Which then also would help Kylo realize his full potential and become fully evil. Yeah, and the The same theater. thing is pulled with Palpatine and Anakin, right? It's like this is it. Finally, you can achieve it, what you've wanted by killing. He, who's he kill? Uh, Dooku, but obviously, Kylo Ren doesn't kill Ray this time. Um, spoiler alert. That's what happens, right? <laughs> that, isn't that how? Isn't that how it all rolls out? Palpatine's like, do it. Remember, <laughs> do it. <laughs> no, you're totally right. Rah! <laughs> Unlimited power. <laughs> oh, okay, man. but the, the palp quotes. Uh, ordered to kill Ray, Kylo instead kills Snoke and works together with Ray to defeat Snoke's guards. Holy shit, guys! There is. I'm. I'm sorry. I. I know exactly what you're saying. I'm super excited for that. But two seconds before that, I didn't see the connection between Snoke was saying he turns his lightsaber and he turns. He like both hands rotate and he's I thought that was so fucking genius. I didn't see it the first time. Me neither. He turns the lightsaber and then he activates it. Ooh, that was so juicy. And then going into this next scene, which you're about to bring up. It's just the best. Yeah, this is the best fight scene in the entire movie. Like by far. It's the best fight scene in the entire series. Really? I still like Hoth. The, the battle on are we talking about, oh, are we talking I mean, about Yeah, the, like the larger, oh, larger battle like scene. Yes, fight? that one. I think, okay, in terms of atmosphere and staging and plot importance, I think that I think that um, Empire Strikes Back, Luke versus Vader sure. is the all-time best. Nothing can ever top that. It's most iconic, yeah. But I think... Obi-Wan Anakin, huh? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, I think in terms of pure action, I hate you. in terms of pure action, the the choreography, the visuals, yep. uh, the the scoring of the whole thing, the the fight scene between these two and and Snoke's guards is just how, how it how the whole fight is introduced too is it's you see them look at each other in slow motion and then the audience is like, is this happening? And then, it, and then oh, and you just have to grab onto your seat. And then it ends in a super kick-ass way where he just, I don't think I've ever seen just someone bullet kind of feather the lightsaber through someone's skull. Yeah. That was dynamite. There's that. There's the lightsaber drop, which granted was pretty similar to the uh, the gun drop in, uh, in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, but, or was that in Civil War? I think it was Winter Soldier. It wasn't in Civil War. I know okay. That. Yeah, in Winter Soldier, the gun drop. But everything's cooler with a lightsaber. <laughs> um, and so the lightsaber drop, uh, where essentially what's happening is that uh, one of the guards is like choking Ray and has got the arm that's holding the lightsaber uh, pinned. 
and she drops the lightsaber from from that hand into her other hand and reaches around to stab the guard. It was badass. It's it's done so well. Like you see it coming and then it happens uh, in just such a fluid way. I think and then that... she tosses the lightsaber. Kylo Ren catches it and uses it to uh, to kill the remaining guard. I think that they saw what people liked and hated about the prequel lightsaber duels because those were so over the top with visuals. Like they were just bouncing around and everyone was just doing everything that you didn't ever get a sense of danger between the characters and in this one it's way grittier i feel like you can't really see where it's gonna go i think it's so much more satisfying to slow down the lightsaber battles and see the characters struggling with it because you remember in the prequels no one has any challenge they're like all throwing giant vats of stuff at each other and then yoda's jumping around off everything yeah they almost ruined yoda with that lightsaber fight yeah oh but wait did we already talk about yoda coming back no did we already get to oh i think we skipped that part oh man i love it I love it so much. <laughs> they, brought, they brought back Goofy Muppet Yoda. I was so, the I was so happy it was Muppet Yoda. I I just love it. I love it. And when he, when he just lightning strikes down the Jedi Temple. Right. And you know what? He told Luke that someday when you were older, you could you get hit by a boulder. By a boulder. <laughs> yeah. And Luke didn't listen. No. No. He did. That's the whole reason why everything went wrong. <laughs> so seagulls. <laughs> Stop it now. Okay, alright, enough. Great YouTube video, check it out. Uh, it's the, it's, no one knows what you're talking about. It's the bad lip reading of, seagulls. Of Star Wars the, the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do your... I want to hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> Much to learn we still have. <laughs> Nice. That was good. <laughs> a lot of people have a Yoda. That's a good one. It was a lot better in high school. I've lost a little bit. Okay. I used to do it a lot more. <laughs> okay, that's that's a bad one. <laughs> All right. Uh, kill Snow. Back to this. Kylo uh, Kylo invites Ray to rule the galaxy with him, uh, but Ray refuses. Using the Force, they struggle for possession of Anakin's lightsaber, uh, which splits in two. Um, Leia recovers and stuns Poe, allowing the evacuation to begin. Holdo remains on the ship to mislead Snoke's fleet as the others flee to a nearby abandoned Rebel Alliance base on Crate. Alright, so the, the things that are happening like simultaneously are we see we've got Poe and Leia kind of watching their watching the other transports get destroyed. We've got uh, Ray and, or I mean, uh, Finn and Rose about to be executed by Phasma, and we've got Kylo Ren and Ray struggling over the lightsaber. This is all happening simultaneously, and it all gets broken up uh, when uh, Laura Dern, yep. uh, Vice Admiral Holdo, turns the ship around, activates light speed into Snoke's cruiser, uh, destroying essentially the entire fleet. In, like, just a visually beautiful, beautiful very, sequence. Very, very, very pretty, yeah. This scene was so intense that they had to start putting... Some theaters started putting up warnings before the movie. Wow. Yeah. Because it was, wow. like, so triggering to some people. That jump to light speed? Yeah. Wow. And it's it's silent. Yeah. Oh, that's... that's... For, about, for about six or seven seconds, there's yeah. nothing. Oh, I fucking love it. Yeah. It... Okay. 
a lot of questions that it brings up about the weaponization of <laughs> of, <light speed>. of <laughs> uh, yeah of hyperdrives. Um, I think I've heard a lot of people suggest that you could just strap a hyperdrive onto an asteroid and use it as a missile. It would penetrate shields. Um, I disagree with this take. I think that um, the first order ships all had their shields down because they weren't expecting anything uh, and they were clustered together um, they weren't receiving any effective command because Snoke was dead Kylo Ren was distracted um, and I don't know Hux was probably off jerking off or something. I was about to make that joke very nice <laughs> <laughs> poor Dom Hall yeah. and I think it really I, I would guess that even on a on a cruiser of that size, a hyperdrive probably represents like more than two thirds of that of the ship's like overall cost, um, and that the size of it just doesn't like the way that hyperdrive technology scales. Like no matter what, it's going to be hugely expensive. Like they they put them on X wings. Those are you know those are small. I don't think an X wing could do that kind of damage for sure. We're questioning the weaponization of the hyperdrive. Agreed. <laughs> there are some there are some holes in that idea, for sure. <laughs> but it's beautiful. <laughs> and every Star Wars movie introduces things that you previously didn't know were possible, and you're like, wait, why why was that the case? And it causes you to question the technology. It's it's Star Wars. It's fun space magic. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Holdo sacrifices herself by ramming Snoke's fleet at light speed to stop the barrage, bisecting all of the First Order ships and inflicting massive casualties on the First Order troops. Rey escapes in the chaos while Kylo declares himself supreme leader. BB-8 frees Finn and Rose, uh, who escape after defeating Captain Phasma and join the survivors of the evacuation on Crate. Uh, when the First Order arrives, Poe, Finn, and Rose lead a charge with old speeders. Um... Ray draws the TIE Fighters away from the, with the Falcon, while Rose prevents Finn from completing a suicide run against the enemy siege cannon, which blasts a hole in the Resistance Fortress. Quick pause for a sec. I wanted that fight scene to be so much cooler than it was yep. with those speeders. Totally. And like, you have this the really cool visual effects of, of the red salt getting tossed up. Yeah. I mean, I wanted, I wanted that fight scene to last so much longer with those speeders. Because they were old and rickety, and I don't know what they could have done with them, but it, it could have been so much cooler. It was, it started off super dope when they're all lining up, going straight for them, the trails of red dust behind them, and then like, here comes some TIE Fighters, break off. And right then, all hell breaks loose, which is super cool, and then they just start getting the shit kicked out of them, and they're right. like, never mind, let's go back. Right, they don't and even shoot back once. It They lose so much momentum right there. Also, we played Battlefront 2, and that map was cooler than that fight scene that we saw in the movie, which is so disappointing. Truth. Did you get to pilot the speeder? No, we, no, were, we, the, were, we were the first We order. were the first order. Oh, we nice. just were getting our asses kicked. It was, really? it was super dope, though. There's, like, you have to you have to invade the base, and you, like, jump down into trenches and stuff, and you're firing across the salt flats and stuff like that, and you can get an ATSTs, and, like, it was super cool. But in this, in the movie, it was just not that at all, which is uh, a, a big bummer. I also thought, like, oh, these speeders kick up dust so it's harder to see where they are it's yeah. supposed to be like a diversion or a cloud you know and that just that wasn't utilized at all yeah it could have been more hoth like where the, i don't know i wanted them to like you know take their their 
um, you know, put wires around the feet of the walkers and do crazy yeah. shit to take something down. I don't know. I just want not more. a single machine got killed on the except for some tie fighters. Yeah. I guess. yeah. You know what it reminded me of in uh, the Return of the King. Faramir's suicide charge exactly. against the uh, the Gilead. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're totally right. It's like, what was your plan here? <laughs> with Mary sing- or Pippin singing to Denethor? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he's munching on some cherry tomatoes. That just that 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 is the scene that I remember from that. Is just him popping a cherry tomato. So nasty. Line where Finn says they really hate that shit. About the TIE fighters chasing after the money. That was great. Quality line. Yeah. Good Good callback. Finn's best line in the movie. I, I, uh, he loves cheering at ships. Yeah. Pilots. He, he gets a hard on for a good solid pilot. I, I did like, I did like the rebel scum line. Oh, oh, Phasma Yeah, when Phasma says, you've always been scum, and he says, rebel scum. Rebel scum, yeah. He didn't like his, come on, Chrome Dome, or bring it, Chrome Dome. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was a little misplaced. Yes, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Um, But no, in general, I like the way that this movie shifted from using resistance to rebels. Yep. um, And that they're sort of, they're really taking the mantle, identifying themselves with this uh, previous movement and like sort of solidifying what it's all about. Yep. Well, and you still have members of the old rebels yeah, too. And you yeah, none. And you got Akbar, R.I.P. Yeah. Admiral Akbar. Oh, he died in the uh, oh. in that when the two Tie Fighters blew up the bridge. Yeah. yeah. God, this made me so sad. And who did you say? None. Yeah, none. He's uh, he's Lando's co-pilot in Return of the Jedi. He's got a big fucking head. He, and he's kind of it's, short. It's kind of like a like a triangular face. Oh, big eyes. Okay, not the dude that um, not Poe's buddy. Not where Poe leans in. He's like, oh, that, that's that, that's her. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. no, not that guy. But, but he, he has he has like a big giant kind of bug eyed head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he survives. He's he's, so, on, he's in the Falcon at the end. So he was from Hoth. Is that what you said? No, he's no, Return he was, of the Jedi, Battle of Endor. Oh, okay. I thought, you, La- I thought you said Lando's copilot. Yeah, he was in the. He was. Was he originally a rebel, or was he originally on on the Cloud Planet with Lando? I I think he was just originally a rebel. I think okay. they just I think they just added him in. Uh, he's an identifier of the Jedi. Sure, he's he's a recognizable character like Admiral yeah. Akbar. I and really wanted it. It's a trap line from Admiral Akbar. Maybe disappointed. There were a lot of traps. There were so many traps. He didn't traps. call out any of them. <laughs> He's losing his touch. No wonder he died. He hit the one yeah. grand slam, and that's why the teams keep him on. But yeah. he just can't call out anymore. <laughs> um, what did he yell when? Oh, they. Oh, proximity alert. He yelled proximity alert when the uh, first order jumped behind him after tracking him. He did do a pretty good job in Rogue One, though. What did he yell? Oh, I don't, I don't remember what he yelled, but he was like he was commanding the the attack. Oh, was on he? Scarif. He's such a badass. Good. Yeah. Oh man. Trucker race of action. He's just my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the entire Star Wars. Rips. Oh man, Rip. Admiral Ackbar. Okay. Um, Luke appears and confronts the First Order, so the surviving Resistance fighters can escape. I love this scene so much. Yeah, I agree. Both times, just nonstop chills. Every every line that he said, every shot that Luke's in. It's Did you incredible. like the shoulder dust? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, see, I everything except the shoulder thank, dust off. Thank you, Joey. See, thank you, Joey. Oh. I like that it was a clue because he doesn't actually have. It's like the last clue that you get 
because he doesn't actually have any dust on him. Yeah. See, I thought it was just him kind of like you know, being a cocky asshole, which is kind of the humor that we saw in the beginning of the movie, where it's just it's just a very obvious humor. Yep. The very yep. obvious. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I, it wasn't my favorite. I did like his. You change your hairline to Leia, and he did some some things like that that were more subtle, like more like Star Wars humor. It just didn't feel like Star Wars, I guess. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's partly that him him having a little joke, uh, but I think it's also meant for the audience to see it, like just one final clue of hey, mm-hmm. maybe he's not really there. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, the other one uh, that I like is his little wink to C three PO. Which I assume is because C-3PO has the ability to detect life forms. And C-3PO was confused why he could see Luke but not detect him. Yeah. Kylo uh, orders the First Order forces to fire on Luke to no effect. Then attempts to engage Luke in a lightsaber duel. I also really... His like use of the force to kind of dodge out of the way was just super His His spin on his knees was sick. Yeah, it was. It was obviously that's not Mark Hamill doing those stunts, but I think it just like it just felt really true to the character of Luke. Like, oh yeah, this is how Luke Skywalker fights. Well, it fit with canon too. Of even if as Jedi's age, they retain their skills with lightsabers. Um, it's almost like when they turn on their lightsaber, they are they gain youth again when they can fight. Like they're you know eighteen years old. Yeah. yeah, so it, I, I thought it fit really well. Did, um, sorry to pause real quick. Why did no one direct their fire towards Kylo Ren's shuttle? Are we assuming it was just shielded? When? When? The they, fr- they were dra- At one point... Oh, you mean the, the cannons and stuff? Like Yeah, the, the giant like anti-armor cannons that the Resistance had lined up in front of the wall. Poe Dameron says, open fire, let's lay down some, you know, lay it down, and then they just shoot at the... AT-ATs when shouldn't someone direct fire at the commanding ship? Yeah, I don't think they really had much of a plan. Huh. I think that's, that's, a, a, that's a good question. The whole the whole movie is Poe Dameron not in command because he just kills people, his own side included, and then he does this, which kills more people. I mean, I think they expected to be able to take out those AT-ATs. And or at least the big gun. The, the, yeah. whole, the whole purpose was just to take out the big gun. The, the battering ram gun, whatever they called it. Why didn't they yeah. just go for the head of the snake and take out Kylo Ren's shuttle? It was hovering right above the cannon. Maybe yeah. those cannons can't aim up. That's a good point. They That's can only possible. shoot forward, just like, yeah. the, just like the giant cannon. Right. They can only shoot directly. Because yeah. I think in Hoth, too, it was similar to the ones in Hoth, yeah. where they can only shoot forward right. to kill the ground troops. It might have been like that. Just like dogs. They can't look up. That's right. <laughs> Um, the urban limit. Yeah, Kylo strikes Luke, but realizes he has been fighting Luke's force projection. This is the big, this is the big uh, twist that it's all been leading to. Yep. Uh, Luke tells Kylo he will not be the last Jedi, while Rey uses the force to help the Resistance fighters escape on the Falcon. I love all this. <laughs> I thought it was a very, very strong ending. Agreed. Um, on Octo, uh, an exhausted Luke dies. Uh, Leia reassures everyone that the Rebellion has all it needs to rise again. Rey has taken the books from the Jedi Temple with her. I missed that the first time I saw the movie. I think I caught it, but not not in a way of like, oh yeah, those are the books. Which is like Certainty, right. right. Wait, aren't those the same books? Yeah. Was my thought. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's like, we've never seen any books before. 
in Star Wars, so it's like, of course, those are the books. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Because even in the Jedi Library, yeah, I was about to jo- bring that up. Joe Costa New does not preside over a bunch of books. <laughs> it's a bunch of uh, hollow archives. Yeah. At Canto Bite, one of the children who helped Finn and Rose escape grabs a broom with the Force and gazes into space. Again, another detail I missed. I must just been really frustrated at this movie the first time I saw it because I missed some things there at the end. But yeah, I thought it. I thought the ending sucked the first time I saw it with that little kid just gazing up into the stars and you see the Millennium Falcon. What you presume is the Millennium Falcon, you know, hitting hyperspace and flying away. Um, I thought that was just kind of stupid. But this time around, seeing him use the Force, it, it kind of brought in the element of like, all right, there's a bigger universe of Force users and and the Resistance has more power than than we originally thought. It's not just a kid with a brain. Still fractured yeah. power, but the power right. is out there. There right. are people willing to... Yeah, I think... Okay. Again, <laughs> oh, I think... Okay. Here we go. Again, Hold on to your butts. <laughs> again, I think in general, the, the Canto Bite stuff is clumsy and heavy-handed, but I, I am choosing to understand that kid not as a character that we're ever going to see again, necessarily, but more of a, but yeah. as a symbol of, totally. like, yep. both within the text of, of carrying on sort of the tradition of rebellion and, um, and also what it's really about, I think, it, and sort of Ryan Johnson's statement piece of the movie, his take is, like, who does the legacy of Star Wars belong to? Like, who gets to, who gets to feel empowered by this narrative? Is it people like Kylo Ren who believe that they're special because they feel some connection to it and they have a bunch of power, uh, or is it, you know, these people for whom the story has, you know. The ability to inspire them because that's all they have is the hope brought on by these stories right i don't think star wars is like the best vehicle for affecting real world change but i do think it's important because this is such a big part of our cultural fabric you know clarifying that hey uh you know don't think that you're the good guy just because you like identify a piece of yourself in in these good guys like you need to you need to actually be sure you need to follow through yeah Yeah. that's a very interesting parallel to bring up i don't think i'm the first person to go down this path uh so please you know read however many uh however many hot takes and uh you know think pieces on the internet that you want to this is just my my little essay on the the star wars essay that is the last jedi cool awesome and that was the last jedi yeah do you have anything else before we wrap that up and move into predictions no no i've (laughs) i've talked so much please take it away from me (laughs) um let's do low points high points let's just do that real okay first first of all no yeah let's do low points high points uh i want to start with my low point Luke Skywalker tossing the lightsaber over his shoulder at the beginning. My very, very low point of the movie. Which is good, because they have a lot of time to bring me back up. Joey, do you have a low point? Yeah, it's probably the opening joke sequence with Poe and and Hux. I mean, it just... 
I didn't the first time I saw it, I didn't mind it, but then it doesn't follow a trend with the theme of the rest of the movie. It just feels displaced. Yeah. So some so you and I kind of have kind of on the same level of just a comedic. Sure, a couple uh, of jokes that just miss. Yeah, right at the beginning too. Yeah. My low point is on certain uh, establishing shots and tracking shots around the island on Octo. Um, there are seagulls flying around. And we never see any sea- we never see any seagulls like space seagulls. <laughs> they're not uh, porks? in any. Well, no, because they're like big and white and flappy, oh, yeah. and like porks, porks can big, fly, yeah. but they're not they're not big and white. <laughs> I and didn't so, even notice that. I think it would have been fine if you just show some other space birds that look kind of like seagulls, <laughs> but you can't have these establishing shots of the island with seagulls in it. <laughs> Are you just being picky, or is that actually your low point? It's a low point. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Someone needs to get fired over this. Um, my high point was um, my high point was either the star fighters engaging in that first battle, or A wings are so sexy. Ooh, I love them. Um, I, I I think I have three that are tied. Uh, I'll go. I'll hold on, hold on. There's three. You get one, and then the rest of us get to go. But why? You're gonna steal our thunder. Oh no, no. These these two aren't. The these other are... two are like minimal. Okay. Uh, the the starfires engaging. Um, the star destroyers warping in over the rebel base. Oh, that like, was a cool from shot the, from the surface. You see them warp. Oh, that was with the sound booming yeah. in. Yeah, oh. that was a cool shot. I, I love that kind of stuff, which happens in uh, Rogue One when they all warp in over the Caribbean planet, uh, or uh, Ray and Finn, uh, Ray and Kylo Ren. In I, that lightsaber battle, yeah, that was top notch. I think mine. I love the Millennium Falcon. I think the when it swoops in on the salt planet. And takes you a, see its shadow first, right? You see its shadow first. It's and then you see how, like three different people all react to it, and right. then you see it, right? And then it's Finn, so good. Finn does his hooting and hollering. That's and, one hell of a pilot, yeah. <laughs> um, and just the sequence where it's flying through the the salt cave mines, whatever you want to call them. Yep. Oh, it's just so fucking cool. Yep. Uh, it's a good ship. I have no concept of how they pilot that thing. So. <laughs> well, because they do it from the side. I don't know how you are supposed to fly that thing through is those tight a, spaces. Is it a joystick? Is there some sort of steering wheel? Is it buttons? Because I think it's a it's a two handed uh, control scheme, kind of like, like a an air, like airline. A, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Sorry, Aaron. What is your high point? Well, you, you all picked some good ones. <laughs> My high point. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> See, now I've, like, I've built up to it too much. No, I think you're going to do something that we're not going to see coming is what I think is going to happen. No, I think I think my high point is, um, is the reunions between Luke and Chewie and then Luke and R2-D2. It's, it's just played so well. I'm kind of surprised you don't see any more R2 following that first sequence. Because he's kind of been in, in sleep mode for the entirety of these new yeah. movies. He's and just, all of a sudden he's, he's tired. He sees Luke and he's, he's awake. He's a boy. And, but he doesn't do anything else. Well, I know. Hopefully, hopefully he comes back in the next one. And Chewie also just sort of like sits around on the Falcon. Yeah. They, Chewie had a much bigger role, obviously, with Han last movie. And R2 didn't at all. But Ray does talk to R2 in this one, which is pretty cool. That's but true. you're totally right. R2 doesn't have a role. 
Oh, well. Now he's on the ship with all the resistance. He'll be back in the fold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool if we had a little team up between BB-8 and R2. Ooh, maybe there's going to be a full circle where R2 holds another Leia video. Kind of like how you the first time you see Leia in the, in the New Hope is via the hologram. Yeah. Maybe the last time we see Leia is via hologram that R2 shows. Yeah. Just put it out there. That could, ooh, that'd be a very interesting way to have Carrie Fisher kind of wrap it up. Sure. Because she kind of gets to live on forever as, a, as this hologram, too. Anyway. Hey, don't say that. Anyway, that's dynamite. That's dynamite. <laughs> um, would you suggest this movie to a friend? I think I know the answer. For sure. Okay, I was going to say something too extreme, uh, but yes. Uh, I think I'm going to say I'd be surprised if a friend hasn't already seen it. That's a better way of putting what I was going to say. It's much more Aaron, Aaron, The abridged version. I think he was just going to burn the bridge in general between him and whoever this friend is. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. That was Star Wars Last Jedi. Um dynamite okay let's go into what is releasing this week aaron do you have any guesses on what is releasing this weekend how many we got yeah i'm gonna need number and genres probably uh we have four no no three i'm sorry three okay three wide releases okay can i get genres yep here we go the first one is a war drama war drama there are some horses and there's some hot desert Oh, uh, the 12 whatever. 12 Strong. Or 12, whatever. Strong. 12 Strong. Okay, next. The, yeah, the Chris Hemsworth one, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, Interesting choice, Chris I, Hemsworth. There are a bunch of these movies that are, that are coming out of just like... Raw, raw America movies. Yeah, and I just am not interested in them. Okay. I've actually seen most of them. They're entertaining, yeah. but... The, the one with the firefighters was, was decent. Oh, yeah, that was... I, it was a sad movie. Only the Brave. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact that it's based on a true story makes it sadder to me. For sure. Not a big fan of Miles Teller. Oh, I see. I love Miles Teller. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. All right. We can digress on that another time. Yeah. Um, the next one is a action thriller starring Gerard Butler, 50 Cent. Oh, oh God. What is that one uh, called? Oh, shoot. Uh, it's like. Do something. Do damn something. Mm, so to the. Yeah, it does. It's like Den. Oh, Den, Den of, of Thieves. Den of, there you go. Yep, Den nice. of Thieves. And the last one is a drama. That's, that's all I'm going to give you. I don't know anything about that. It's called uh, Forever My Girl. Oh, yeah. I Never don't know anything about it. How many theaters is it released? It says nationwide. What about... Uh, that uh, probably means like 100. <laughs> when's the... Um, there's another big one coming out. Um, Phantom Thread. Is Phantom Thread out? Yeah. Uh, it's coming out this week. Okay. Weekend. Yeah, that's a limited release, right? And then, oh, okay. Uh, that's yeah, that's not that small, but, but yeah, it that's won't the, be top that, five. It's the new Daniel Day Lewis going to win an Oscar movie. Yep. Yeah. Is it, well, I've, is it I've heard movies? mixed things about it. Oh, it's got Some like a, mixed. It's like a ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes really? right now. Yeah. Okay. It's Paul Thomas Anderson. Who? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Cool. Cool. Um, so those uh, three: Den of Thieves, Twelve Strong, and Forever My Girl. Excuse me. Yeah. For maybe I'll say Twelve Strong and Den of Thieves are going up against Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, The Post, The Commuter, The Greatest Showman, Insidious Last Piece, Last Star Wars, Last Jedi. Um, let's do these predictions. All right. I can. Want me to just go first? Uh, you can take mine this time, since normally try and keep it to two. Okay. But go ahead and take mine. No, that's cool. I don't want to take you guys' it's thunder here. Hey, yeah, you did way better than me last time. I'm fine with... I'm fine with... Uh, let's go all three. 
Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Um, part of having it, having a guest, I think. Last time we did it, Joe just took mine. No, we all did it. Joe. Oh. Last time, we, I'm sorry. Last time oh, we gotcha. didn't have you, Joe took mine. Um. All right, I'm going off the map here. I think Twelve Strong is coming in real strong. Okay. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. It's <clears throat> it's a raw raw America movie. Those typically do really well, especially in the first week. Going up against Jumanji, The Post, Commuter, Grey Showman, and Insidious Lasky. Um, Jumanji stays at two. Commuter three. Post four. Oh God, I don't want to put Insidious <coughs> five, but I'm going to. Oh boy. Greatest Showman and Insidious, the last key, were a difference of $50,000. Oof. That's tight. All right. Who's next? I got this. I am also going to put 12 strong first. How much did Jumanji make last weekend? 28 mil. Whew. What was the other movie coming out? 12 strong and uh, Den of Thieves. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm going Jumanji number two. Uh, And I'll put... The post in at number three. Number four, I'm going to have... I'm still pulling for Paddington. I'm going <laughs> to say Paddington up to number four. And number five, I think we're going to get some Neeson up in here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the Commuter. What would you rather see, Commuter or Insidious? Who? Insidious has shitty reviews. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, what does the commuter have? And you also want to see the fourth installment of a horror series that we haven't that seen we any of the previous right, three? We apparently <laughs> have not seen any of them. Um, we thought we had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the commuter has 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not horrible. It's not terrible. I can get down with a 53%. Just to be different, I'm going to put Jumanji at number one. Uh, 12 strong at number two. Uh, <clears throat> the commuter... No, I'm going to put The Post at number three. I really hope The Post comes in at five. Oh, I want to see that movie so bad. Me too. Uh, and then I'm going to put in uh, Den of Thieves. And then I think Paddington 2 is going to come up. Yeah. I would also love to see Paddington 2. <laughs> Me also. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read out uh, our predictions just so everyone knows. Joey has 12 strong, uh, no, 1 through 5, 12 strong, Jumanji, Commuter, Post, The Post, Insidious 4. Aaron has 12 strong, Jumanji, The Post, Paddington 2, The Commuter, and then I have Jumanji, 12 strong, The Post, Den of Thieves, and Paddington 2. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Okay, do you guys have anything before we sign off? Awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been the 5th Best Movie Podcast. My name is John. I'm Aaron. And I'm guest host Joey. Joey, thank you, Joey. For, yeah, thanks for coming on again. We yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me, guys. Just love doing this. Why don't you give the fans some advice before they before we tune out here? In the vein of what Aaron sees as the thesis of Star Wars, don't just be good. Do good. My man. For everyone who stuck around to the end, here's a little bit of stinger for you. Please enjoy. I would love to. <laughs> First, I'm going to make a quesadilla. <laughs> Okay, here's the John and Joey riff track. Here we go. We're going to come up with a, a comedic bit right here, right now for everyone. This is going to be on the B-reel. This is going to be on the uh, special edition. <laughs> the, the bloopers. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's, act, let's do some improv. Ready? Um. Hey. <laughs> do you have any blue frogs for sale? Blue frogs? No, I only sell red and orange. 
outside on your storefront, it says Blue Frogs, we got them. Sir, that's not my sign. Somebody keeps punking me and putting that sign up there. I was talking to the sheriff earlier today, and he said someone has been putting those signs. I'm such a dummy. I should have seen should have seen that coming. Well, can I purchase one of your yellow or red frogs? Well, I have orange and red, so you can have one of those. Wowee, this moonshine's really getting to me. <laughs> can I have a orange, what'd you say? A orange or red? I did, sir. How many orange or red frogs do you have for sale? Well, as you can see in the tank right here, we got about six orange and about four red. So Wow. Uh, but it's a limit two per customer. I could go next door and get three red and six orange. <laughs> Do you have uh, any sales going on to entice me to buy from your frog shop? Well, you know, we're not just a frog shop here at Joe's Frog Shop. Oh, what else do you sell? Uh, we have all sorts of reptiles. We got your snakes. We got your all sorts of different lizards. I don't know where this accent came from, but I just found it. <laughs> Whenever I talk about reptiles, yes. I just get a little... <laughs> Get a, get a little Cajun coming out the swamp. Well, sign me up. I'm looking for a couple of neon reptiles. I want I want some bright blue lizards. I want some some of those. Give me one of those condas over there. No, oh, just conda. <laughs> Give me one of those. Just condas. one conda. You know, condas are a pack creature. You got to have a couple condas. <laughs> nice. All right. Good thing Aaron's back. That was horrible. Look, now cut it. We're gonna put it at the end after <laughs> after we do our outro. People will love it. it. It'll reward those who stick it out to the end. Um, I'm just super excited to have a recording that that we're not gonna lose massive uh, amounts of yeah, ten second chunks. About that. No, I was like watching my audacity when we were doing this last week, and it was like struggling to keep up. Yours okay. is yours is like it's it's doing it right. Cool. Okay. Um, 